Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Well, where do we start? Let's just close our eyes, hey? I'm a bit scared. I think the Holy Ghost is here. Holy Ghost. We welcome you. Holy Ghost, we just didn't come to church. We want to meet with you. Maybe watching online. Maybe in this auditorium. Holy Ghost, we don't want a form of godliness. We want the reality. Holy Ghost, come into our hearts. Fill us. Fill us with life. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your love, your grace. Holy Ghost, have your way. Have your way in this meeting. Have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Sam said it's all right if we finish at four o'clock, so... anything could happen. Welcome to church. Um, it's a great honour to be able to stand here and preach this morning. We've preached many, many messages over our many years of ministry, sometimes three a day. But you know, every time you get up to preach the Word of God, there's always something special about doing that. It's something you never get used to. You get something you never... You're not game to... Um, to take it for granted because you just don't know what God's going to do. And so today, this morning, who knows what he's going to do because I'm going to open up a little bit my own mind. Our first meeting this morning, we talked about there's two basic domains where, well, the theme for the month is ruling and reigning. So there's two basic domains where we've got to really know where we rule and reign. In warfare, the Second World War, there was four domains that they always knew they had to have superiority. It was in the air, on the ground, on the ocean and under the ocean. Today, if we go to war, there's probably six. We've got the internet now, we've also got outer space. And so, as Christians, we've got to know that although we walk in the kingdom of God, we are also in warfare. And the moment we think that we don't have an enemy... Uh, is, is the moment when we make ourselves, um, what's the word, susceptible, we make ourselves an a easier target for the enemy. And this is the big problem where people get, especially second or third generations from World War II, we're used to peace, aren't we? My generation, we had Vietnam, and uh, I was part of the, the, uh, the call-up um, process there. And, and we thought along those lines, but in today's world, you know, in Iraq and, and, and Afghanistan, we had more contracted soldiers there than we had armed, our own armed forces. It was more contractors, and so we don't think warfare. We think peace, don't we? And it's a good way to think. It's good to enjoy the peace, but oftentimes we really forget that peace comes as a result of victory. 
It, do, it doesn't come, you know. I mean, Churchill could have uh, done what Eaton did and sign a contract with, with Hitler and said, oh, it'll be all fine, we can trust him. You, you can't trust a terrorist. You can't trust an enemy. That's just the way it is. It's just the way life is. And, you know, God wants us to enjoy the peace, but always remember that right in the Garden of Eden with um, Adam and Eve, there was an enemy even in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> They didn't realize that. They, well, they thought, well, as long as I don't eat from the tree of knowledge, good of evil. But do you know, uh, Eve was seduced. Eve, Eve was window shopping. She, she listened to an enemy. And because she wasn't conversant with that, she might have been pure, but she certainly wasn't wise. And we as Christians have got to be wise to the fact that the, the, the salvation that you and I walk in today, we walk in because a victory was won. And, and, and in our own mind, although that victory was won, we can still lose the victory if we don't know the domains in our own lives that we've got to make sure that Jesus Christ rules and reigns in. Because if we don't, if we don't, you will, win, you will, you, you will lose the battle. But somewhere along, he's out to get you. He, he's out. <laughs> it's like building a house and don't think you've got a white ant problem. The chances are the moment you think that I'm immune to that, there's probably white ants in the water already. And if we don't understand that these domains have got to be really, really, we've really got to take a lot of notice that Jesus Christ rules and reigns in them. And the first one we spoke about this morning was the domain of your thought life. It comes from Ephesians chapter 10, uh, 6 verse 10. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, what an interesting scripture to say for us lovely Christians who just love everybody and have grace for, <laughs> grace for the enemy we should probably never have grace for. And so there's a balance to scriptures, the balance of life and freedom, but the balance is only there in direct proportion to understanding that we've always got to be where... Uh, you know, uh, aware that there is an enemy out there and that enemy's there to rob, to kill and destroy, as the scriptures say. Balance is the key to life. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Well, that's an interesting statement for people who want to live in peace. And if you're not wrestling today somewhere in your life, we've got to get concerned. In my life, there's a wrestle, sometimes daily. And that wrestle today is for certain domains in my life. It's for my thinking. And we're going to talk about now about our heart. The enemy's after my heart. He's after my heart. He's after your heart. And the only way he can get to your heart is through your, through your thought, through your thinking. And that's from last message. So we're, but we, we're at war against principalities, against powers, against the, the, the world rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. And so today, we're at war. We're at war with, with culture. There's a culture out there that wants to seduce us. There's, there's a way now getting in, into where we can't put up an argument from the church. Our universities today, they're trying to infiltrate there where, you know, you can't have an opposing view. If you believe in creation, you're scorned and, and told that you're, you, you're brainless and, and you're dumb and if you're educated, you wouldn't believe in that sort of thing. And, and so there's a warfare that's going on. There's warfare for our children, for our babies that haven't even left the womb is probably the most dangerous time that little baby will ever have in their life. There's a war out there. 
There's a war for our children. There's a battle for our children. We've got to believe it. And today we're brainwashed to think sometimes that we can just leave our kids with somebody else to look after them while we go and chase a career. You do, you may pay the price, unfortunately, for that. And so there's a warfare that's going, therefore, take for yourselves the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to, or done all to stand, therefore stand, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And today, in this message, I want to talk about the breastplate of righteousness because it's a defensive Weapon. It's, it's not an offensive, it's, it's not a sword, but it's the same as the helmet, unless you take it off and bash somebody with it, but their defences, we've got to know, you know, our defences, and no man goes to war unless he looks at his defences, not how good, can I take the ground, but can I keep it? <laughs> and so Jesus took the ground, but the only way we can keep it by having our proper defences in place. And, and the first defence we talked about was, was the helmet of salvation. And so we've got to think about this, is that the unseen world always will rule over the seen world. The spiritual will always rule over the natural. I told this testimony in the first meeting, I'll tell it again, our, our, our daughter is a school teacher and has been for many years and and, and Renee, we, we raised our kids understanding spiritual warfare. We raised our kids understanding is that there, there's no grey part of life. You either are with God or you're against it, you know? And uh, Renee, was, she's been doing some uh, relief teaching. And anyway, she was in a, in a classroom and, and, and in the grade one classroom, they had little, this little tot, grade one, little girl. And, and, and she just lost the plot. She lost it. And she was throwing tables and chairs and books and messing everything up. And the vice principal was in there with this one. The teacher was in there and also the teacher's aide. The three of these adults couldn't calm this child down, couldn't do anything with her. And so the last resource, they, they got Renee out on the phone and they said, Renee, we need you over here. Now, she's just one of the teachers. She's just a relief teacher. But they called Renee in and Renee walked into that room and the room was chaos, it was a mess. Other kids were in all sorts of states and, and the teachers didn't know what to do. The vice principal was a mess. Just trying to calm this little kid down. And Renee walked in the room and just stood on the platform. And she just stood there. And she just hummed a worship song. Didn't sing it, just hummed. Just hummed this song. And within seconds, this little child, she didn't know the child, but within seconds, the child just calmed down. Screaming was over. The vice principal just couldn't believe what he saw. The teacher couldn't believe what he saw. And all Renee did was stand in the front of the room, just hummed. She bowed down, put her arms out, and this little one came over and hugged her and just cried and cried and cried. Why could that be? It has to do with who holds supremacy in the unseen world. Yeah. You see, a lot of parents never build anything with their children. They're little, and when they're 15, they're trying to rule them by law, and it just can't happen. 
It's what you build in the spirit. It's what you build in the spirit. My grandmother, she came out from Ireland on a sailing ship and the Ganges Khan went under down below the decks for six weeks and just prayed and prayed and prayed. Today I stand before you. What you build in the spirit. And so today we're going to talk about some spiritual things. Is that all right? Don't know when we'll finish, but who cares? Because, ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm a life coach, you know, and among many things, other things that I do, but one of the biggest things in coaching people where we've got to make the transition is, is, is not just in the mind and how we think, but it's in our heart, in what we believe. Because a lot of people know a lot of things cognitively, but emotionally, in their heart, they don't have a realisation of it. And I sit with them, they say, oh yeah, Dan, I know all of that and I know all of this. And I said, yeah, good, how's it working for you? Your marriage is a mess, your kids won't listen to you, you're out of a job, you're all over the place. You know it up here, but you don't know it here. And so this morning I want to talk about the heart. We said, put on the breastplate of righteousness. See, as much as the thinking can be the RAM, the random access memory for our computer, our mind can be there, our heart certainly is the hard drive. It's where things, it's where viruses get stored up. That's where the negative gets caught up. And, and so this is where we've got to look at in this meeting is our heart, the breastplate. Of, it's a protection to the heart. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard. That word guard means to keep and to cultivate. It says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it will flow the issues of your life. Don't be fooled. If you aren't feeding your heart the right stuff, you cannot, you cannot have your seen world somewhere, my seen world somewhere along the line will reflect what's in the unseen world. Tragedy, whatever, you know, there's sometimes in life there's some exceptional circumstances, things that happen to us, but eventually we've got to understand the world that I build is a world that is first, created. See, th all things are created three times, created in heaven, created in the heart, and created in the seen world. And what we've got in the seen world is a creation. It's almost like a, a mirror image of what's, the way we see the world is just a reflection of what's in our heart. We never see the world the way it really is. We see the world the way we really are. And so it's about our heart that I want to talk about this morning. See, what I said in the first meeting is, what our thoughts entertain, our hearts retain. What, 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 what my head, what my thoughts entertain, what I think about in my head goes into my heart and out of the heart. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of your heart, out of my heart flows the issues of my life. And, and I've learned some of these things firsthand in my life. When I came to the Lord, I had a dreadful uh, habit, a dreadful dependence on alcohol. I was terribly angry. I was rejected. I was angry. I was uh, mad as a hornet. And you've got to believe it, that God's had to do a big work in here and he's still doing it. See, our thoughts feed our hearts and then our hearts determine our world. 
our attitude to life, the way we see ourselves, the way we see the people we mix with, and the things that happen to us as a result. It all comes out of the heart. It stems everything. The heart, some people, it's called the heart, it's called the spirit, it's called the moral compass, it's called the subconscious. Dr. Freud called it the subconscious. Our heart it can be our core beliefs, it can be our inner man. The, the place where our automatic... <laughs> The place where our automatic responses come from. Have you ever been in a place and you, and, you, and you behave a certain way out of character and you go home, have you ever been there? I've been there many times. I said, where did that come from? <laughs> Three, two, two of us. Is there any over here? <laughs> where did that come from? It comes out of the heart. Been in there. Some people, it's called the spirit of our mind, it's called the seat of our character, the seat of our courage, the seat of our wisdom. What I call, and I want to call it today, our temple. Our temple, our heart's our holy place. It's the place where we meet with God. It's the place where we're intimate with God. My heart is the place where I'm intimate with my wife. My wife and God are the only ones really, really who get into the inner recesses, the holies of holies within my heart. It's a special place. But you know, unfortunately, church, is the heart is a divided kingdom. The heart, some parts of the heart, Jesus reigns, and some parts of our heart, unfortunately, he doesn't. I don't know if I've told you this before, but a, a couple of months ago, I woke up, I had a dreadful apprenticeship, I, I did a five-year apprenticeship as a fitter and turner, and the amount of abuse, the amount of, um, what, what do you call it, violence in the workplace, you know, it would be nothing in our place where we did our apprenticeship that you'd have an argument with someone, you'd put the hammers down, you'd get behind the blacksmith's shed, and you'd punch the whatevers out of one another, and and then after who's ever standing with you back on the job site with blood and black eyes, it was dreadful. And I was abused, I was bullied. And, and, and I did my apprenticeship 50 years ago. So it's, it's a fair while. And I was bullied really, really bad. A couple of months ago I said to Anne, I said, you know what, I keep getting these dreams about my old boss. And this is You'd think you'd forget it. And, I, and, and, and in my dreams, I, I get into these big fights with them. And, and I answered, well, why don't you do something spiritual and go and pray about it? And I said, well, that might be an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Who's been there? You know, your wife. You know, they're the next best thing to the Holy Ghost, eh? And uh, you do something spiritual, why don't you pray about it? So I prayed about it. And I got this voice and said, well, this is because you've got unforgiveness in your heart, Dan. I said, unforgiveness? Yeah, it's towards that boss you had. I thought, oh. Well, you didn't have to tell me that. <laughs> you ever had those conversations with God? And he comes back, well, you asked. <laughs> so I thought I'd tell you. <laughs> So I thought, gee, maybe there's a bit of truth in it. Maybe God's not telling me a lie. So I prayed about it, and he was right. 
mate, I was still, I was an anger credit towards this guy. So I had to go and had to get on my knees and had to repent. And do you know why I repented and had to forgive that guy? He didn't deserve to be forgiven. But there was a recess in my heart that I didn't know where Jesus wasn't ruling. It was a divided kingdom. And I forgave. It wasn't easy. Because he didn't deserve to be forgiven. I'd like to go back and meet him now. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I may not have had that fully completed. But anyway, uh, <laughs> there might be still some more work needs to be done there. Um, and if you know, I forgive you, you mongrel. <laughs> but I forgive you. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, the strange thing about it was the dream stopped. And I haven't dreamt about it again. And it was happening. Started to happen quite a lot. I forgave him. See, the heart was divided. In Mark 24, there's an interesting little thing here. It says this guy, he had a son that probably had epilepsy or something. And he brought him to Jesus to heal him. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears. How many times have we been there? And this guy says this. He says, a very interesting thing. He says, Lord, I believe. He said, I believe. He said, but help my unbelief. And that word unbelief means wrong belief. And, and, and we're like, our hearts are, have got belief in there. We want to serve. We love God. All our hearts, something like that. But because of sin, because you and I grew up in a world that's imperfect, because we grow up in a world that has got all of this stuff happening, our hearts get damaged. We listen to things we shouldn't listen to. We take on attitudes we shouldn't take on. And the sin of life has a way, it, it waits at the door and it encroaches and it wants to get in. See, the devil doesn't really want to get us out of church. He wants to keep us in, but he wants to disease our hearts in church. Yeah. Because if he can affect our hearts in church, we'll affect the church. Yeah. And there's nothing he wants more than to have a church that's lame and has got no faith and got no miracles in it. Wow. Isn't that interesting? And so he's not after getting you out of church. He wants you in here, but he wants to get an attitude in your heart. He wants you criticizing. He, he wants you doing this and he wants you doing that. Everything that takes the power away from the church. So now, oh, he's man, he sits back and watches the game. Oh, look at the Christians are fighting again. Whoa, mate, I've had my way here. He wants to see affairs happening in the church. He wants to see marriage break up in the church. Stay in the church. I just want to represent you wrongly. And so because of, you know, unforgiveness that's harbored, rejection that's felt, you know, attitudes that we've stewed over and stewed over, who's done that? Mate, I've stewed over some attitudes. And they've just gone in and my heart's been divided. Man's heart was never designed to encounter a world of sin. So the heart is our temple, it's our holy place, a place where Jesus is Lord and Master, a place where Jesus and righteousness rules and reigns, but the temple of old. And I want you to keep this analogy going because there, it was an amazing scripture I came across that really lit this up to me. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, and Jesus went into the temple of God. Let's, into the heart, okay? He went into the temple of God. 
and cast out all those who sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written that my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. See, church, the enemy, these intruders have set their tables up in our hearts and traded with the true, our true nature, have traded with the purposes of our lives and have traded with our identity. And this really came to light to me, is in the temple of my life, and man of me in the past has got in and set his tables up in my heart, in my holy place, in my temple. And he has traded, he sold my birthright out to me for fear. And he's, he'll trade with your heart, he'll trade with your life. And he'll set himself up in there and say, oh, okay, are you afraid? Well, I'll tell you what, you keep your fear. You keep it. I'll trade your fear. But what I want in return for your fear, I'm going to let you live with your fear, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'll trade, with, I'll trade your fear for the miracles you should be seeing in your life. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, see, Jesus has got a rule in our... He came and the Bible says that... See, the thing is, we negotiate. We've built the custom of negotiating with terrorists. We go to war in Afghanistan all to get them to the negotiating table. Thousands of people have lost their lives as long as we get them to the negotiating table. But you read scripture, Jesus, you go into the land and you kill every one of them. Take no mercy on them. Because if you negotiate with them, (laughs) today they still are. Thousands of years later. You see what happened to Jesus in his temple? He didn't negotiate with them. He threw their tables over and he whipped them. He flogged them, said, get out of my heart. And, and, and guys, this is what we've got to do because, see, bitterness wants to set their table up. And they want to trade in our hearts. I've been hurt by somebody, so I get bitter. And so the enemy says, that's all right. It's all right, Dan. You keep your bitterness over there, Bob. You keep your bitterness. But I'll tell you what, we're trading here. And if you keep your bitterness, if you want to keep your insecurity, if you want to keep your anxiety, I tell you what, if you want to keep the failures of the past, you can keep them, no worries. But I tell you what, we will trade over it. You keep it in exchange for, for, for your life purpose. It's our temple. And that enemy has, in the past, set himself up and he's traded in my heart. He's defiled my temple. See, the temple of old was, they used to still worship God in the temple, but in the outer courts they did their trading. And they compromised, they compromised. And you know what we do, ladies and gentlemen? This breastplate of righteousness is, is, is righteousness has got to rule and reign in my heart. Righteousness. Now, I don't know about you. All I can do is talk about my life. And the imposters had to leave. And when we come to Christ, imposters have got in there because of life. You know, we've been lazy or we've been naive or whatever, and, and these imposters have got in there and, and, and they're robbing us and they're robbing us. And, and, and you know what? <laughs> they've been doing it for so long, they think they've got a right to do it. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. True. We, we, we feed the Blue Mountain parrots at home and... You know, I fed them for a week. Now they come, but that dish is empty. I'll tell you what, they let me know. <laughs> hey, get out here and fill this seed up. 
So what does Dan run out and fears the seed up, you know? Well, they think they're entitled to it now. And these imposters are no different. They get in there and they want to stay in there and they want to keep robbing you. And it's time we stood up and said, no more. I've got the breastplate of righteousness on and righteousness has got to rule. Righteousness has got to reign in my heart and it's got to rule over the fear. It's got to rule over that rejection where my old man may have rejected me. Mum may have taken me off the potty too young. I don't know. Something's gone wrong. But righteousness has got to rule in there and, and I can't live a life of a victim. I can't live there. I can't live there. I, you know, I listen to people, you know, get these COVID payments now. And a lot of them, they could get a job, but they're not because it's easy just to get the COVID payments. And nothing makes you more angry. I said, yeah, but Dan, I've got to go to work for that. Yeah, but what are you trading for that? What are you trading? You're trading your purpose to get some free money. You're playing the life of a victim. And Jesus said, come on, put the breastplate of righteousness on. Get righteousness happening in our hearts and bring us up. You know what? I don't know what I'm going to do here. Pastor Sam, I haven't got onto my points yet. Fair income. I fasted and prayed over this for four months, you know. A lot of weeping and wailing went into this message. It's scary. It's scary letting Jesus into your heart. I wanted a savior, but I wasn't too sure about the Lord bit. I don't mind a good fight, I just worry me. But I remember saying to Anne, and Anne could vouch for this, to walk on this platform today, there was a lot of weeping and wailing, I can tell you. There was a lot of tears. There was a lot of issues that I had to face up to because I was allowing these intruders, these imposters in my heart that thought they had a right to trade with me. And the cost was my purpose in life. The cost was the call of God over my life. And it was tough. And I want to be real and I want to be honest with you today. If you want righteousness to rule in your temple, there's going to be some crying involved. There's going to be some fear involved. There's going to have to be some forgiveness involved. And that's going to seem very unjust to you. There's going to have to be some growing up involved. You know, church needs to grow up. Pastor Sam doesn't preach a message they like. Pop the dummy. I tried popping a dummy with God once. I found he got a whole box full of them in heaven. Just slapped another one in and said, boy, grow up. Look, it's, there's no easy way to say it, is there? 
But if he's going to rule, if see, we like the scriptures, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, kumbaya, unity. All the kids come over for Christmas. We all have a great Christmas celebration. Everybody laughs and has a good time. But you know something? You don't get there without a battle. And the greatest battle you and I will ever wage is the one that's in here, that, the one that no one's going to see. He, he's jealous. Jesus, he doesn't negotiate. See, heaven's not a democracy. It's a theocracy. Yeah. His way or the highway. Yeah. But, if, but if he is Lord there, if he reigns in our hearts, the greatest time of my life, one of the greatest, was the night I gave my life to Jesus. I was drunk. Wasn't going too good. But I gave my heart to Jesus and I remember... So I went to bed that night. I'll never forget. It felt like something had lifted off my life. Something just lifted. And then I could make a choice. There was a call of God in my life I could have lost. True. We were offered a great engineering job in a power station and doing really great financially <laughs> but I, I was about to trade the great career <laughs> I, I was about to trade it see he'd set up the trade in my heart and said there you can have you can have this amazing job but he didn't tell me the other side of the trade it would have cost me my marriage would have cost me my kids the alcohol would have eventually caught up with me the anger would have really wrecked me end up in jail ladies and gentlemen this morning ruling and reigning is a big issue Jesus I give you my heart come in and be my be my saviour I need help but I also, I've also got to learn how to serve you. I've also got to learn how to be a servant. I've also got to learn how to submit my whole temple. And, and I can't, I can't compromise with that. And then what you're going to give me in return is life and life more abundant. Life and life more abundant. You may not grow up to the highest ranks in your job, the military, doesn't matter. But when you go to be with Jesus, you better walk into those pearly gates. And you might say, by Job, you've got a few black eyes there, Dan. <laughs> Made a few bark for you to make a pack saddle. But you come through. You came through. Is that something that you can say? 
there and I want to get through. I don't want to scrape through. I don't want to be a victim. God, I, I want to be a contributor to the kingdom. I want to be a man, a woman of God. I, I want to be able to pray for the sick and see him recover. I want to speak a word in season to him who is weary. I want to be able to set the captives free, and you can't do that if in the unseen world he doesn't rule and reign. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.